black, maybe I'll right, have a This black one. Hello, welcome everyone uh, to our third session for Black Table Talk at UDYC. <laughs> I love doing that. Every time we always do that, right? Um, so today's topic, what we're going to talk about is uh, really mental health with the elections just happening and all of that stuff and uh, really just trying to have an or organic conversation around what is mental health, what is healing and things like that. And uh, yeah, we'll just go from there. So I just really want to start out as well to highlight some stats. And um, before we even get into that, this is the first time that we're actually recording it at, for a video as well, y'all. So like, give it up for that. Um, so when the audience sees us, it's going to be more like, oh wow, this is what they're doing. Okay. This is what okay. they. Like. What do y'all think about that recording it video style? As well, I like it. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an extra level of YouTube. Yeah. Exactly. That's the whole goal. So we can <laughs> make some money. Make some. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> How about we gotta raise some money? That part. To yep. make some money. Okay. To make sure we got the right equipment and all that stuff, but we we just gonna do it. So. As long as my check get cut at the end of the <laughs> uh, I also see how you have your, you know, your style going. I love it. It looks beautiful. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and also, before we even get into the, the discussion, let's go ahead and introduce ourselves, if y'all don't mind. Um, I'm Jason, and I'm kind of facilitating all of this right now. Still learning and growing in, in this, and just taking some advice from, like, Ebony, and thank you for hooking this up for us. Um, and some other folks out there as well. So, um, so yeah, this is what I'm doing. Go this way. All right. Um, my name is Saint. This is my first time being at a black tabletop, so I'm excited. That's right. That's right. Black tabletop. Sorry, I'm excited to to see how this goes. Cool. Yay. What's up, y'all? I'm Jaylen. Nice to see y'all again. Period. <laughs> 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 my name is Brianna. I go by she, her pronouns, and I'm excited to be here for my, you know, next Black Table Talk. I'm excited. My name's Ebony. Um, this is also my first time being on Black Table Talk. I am excited. Um, I'm ready to see what this is about and to keep going forward. That's right. Thank you. Yes. My name is Maya. Uh, my pronouns are they, them. Uh, I am the Maya, as you have noticed. Yes. <laughs> anyway, I'm excited to see what, what comes of this. A little bit nervous to get my face on this. Shout out to all the fans. That's uh, right. Shout <laughs> out. Period. But yeah. We'll have to drop our Instagram handles after this, you know what I'm saying? That's right. Get that cloud up. Get that cloud up. That's right. We need to get our subscriptions up. Y'all are tripping. It's a fourteen ninety nine subscription to subscribe to me. If you want more black exclusive things, subscribe. All right, well, so let me just go ahead and get into this with some stats here that I pulled from the, uh, um, uh, what is this called, the uh, uh, SAM, basically uh, Mental Health uh, Services Administration and the Census uh, Bureau as well. 
I don't know if y'all know this, but the U.S. population, uh, the total U.S. population, uh, out of the total, there's 13.4% that represents or identifies as black or African American. 13.4%, remember that, 13.4%. And then of those, over 16% reported having a mental illness in the past year. So this is, these are stats from back in uh, uh, 2019. Oh, okay. So we're not too far out. Um, you know, so just to put it in some context, that's over 7 million people that identifies, again, as black or African-American uh, that are reporting having a mental illness in the past year, just in the past year. So those are um, the only ones yeah. that are reported. <laughs> yes, exactly. 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 And, uh, you know, just to also put it, put into context more people, that's more people than the populations of Chicago. Houston and Philadelphia. We already know Philly, you know, they just represented in the elections, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's nothing but black and brown people there as well. Um, so what do y'all think about that? Let me just ask that. What do y'all think? How does that resonate with y'all? That is a lot. That is a lot. I that mean, is a so lot of people. I feel like it resonates a lot just because I'm not surprised that there are a lot of African Americans that do suffer with mental health because there is such a uh, strong dynamic within the black community that uh, old therapies for white people or the black family always kind of, you know, we're going to shovel the issues up under the rug and we're not going to talk about it. Right. And that's how a lot of black families handle their issues as far as in with mental health. So, you know, when you grow up as an adult, your mental health issues just kind of blossom and you kind of figure out what they are and you come up with a name for them. Um, and I feel like you know, a lot of people just don't know how to handle it. So, of course, you know, you may be diagnosed, but you still kind of within that stigma of, like, I'm not going to go to therapy. I'm going to talk about it. So yeah. I feel like that's a really big dynamic that needs to change. I mean, yeah. not to mention, though, I mean, the health industry itself has failed black and brown people for centuries. Mm -hmm. I mean, even the foundation of, of, black, of uh, the health care was built on the backs and the pain and suffering of black slaves. And the experimentation. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I mean, even when people of color probably even were first like, maybe I should go to therapists. Maybe I should talk about this shit that I'm not supposed to talk about. More than I feel like they went in there and they had these white therapists and they were looking at them just yeah. like, why are you sad? Like you have nothing to be sad for. This is the greatest country in America. And literally like letting them like reinforcing this idea that your problems don't matter, that you do not matter and you need to shut the fuck up and continue with the status quo. So yeah. I think for me, it's more about like how society deems everything normal when it comes to like mental health. Like for all we know that when a lot of African Americans are suffering from mental health, they don't talk about it because they're not given the opportunity to talk about it and they're not given the chance to even explain about what happened. Like, I'm gonna use myself as an example. Back in high school, I was suffering from mental health really bad because my mom was in a really bad marriage. You know, long story short, I never got the opportunity granted to me to talk about it. I had a therapist, but I didn't get her until I was already 19, which was like three years ago. Yeah. So. For me, when I went in there and like tried to open up this box of worms, she had this pre-perceived notion that I was just going to talk about like something normal, like, oh, I'm stressed about, about school, or I'm stressed about getting into college. Honey, I'm not worried about that. I'm doing flawlessly right now. I'm more worried about what's going on at home, and I'm trying to figure out how do I help my mental health stay stable for the sake of my younger sister so I can be that example for them in that time of darkness. And she just wasn't giving me anything that I wanted. So like... Yeah you know, just useless. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So for me, it was just more about like 
given them the opportunity to explain without any type of pre-perceived notion that society deemed like, oh, this is what all African-Americans go through on a daily basis, so they don't have any reason to be sad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's deep, yeah. Yeah, I feel like therapists, or white, I should say, white therapists fail to make the connections of like the different oppressive systems that black people deal with and connecting that with their mental health. Yeah. Um, that's something that a lot of white therapists forget about, even though they get taught about it in class, you know. I'm in grad school right now, and we're learning about this theory called RCT, it's relational cultural theory, and it talks about, it talks about like people's connection with with other people and community. And like that's one way that could be used in therapy to like to like bring out like what black folk are dealing with with with, with uh, these oppressive systems, but that's not being practiced in in um it's not being practiced as much as other traditional Western um theories. Yeah. Yeah. I was, okay. I was just gonna ask, like how is that going for you? Like your school, your grad school, yeah. Being probably what one of there's there's I think there's either two or three black men, but there there's probably like one. I think there were three black women in the class and in, in our cohort, and there was three black men. Okay, so okay. seven um, all together. Yeah, I mean, I I can like I, I don't know how long this is. I can go into how school is going, but I feel like it will be like very long. <laughs> <laughs> well, can you give us like a you, you know like a look? Because this this is what it's about, right? right? Like it's all mental health, and we need more representation. Right. And you're doing it, so mm -hmm. like I wouldn't mind hearing. Just my perspective experience. around like school itself. School itself, like how you know, or is your experience? Do you feel like you are getting the same experience as like a white graduate well, graduate school? So I know. I mean, in the school that I go to, I'm not going to end the school because I'm not trying to put them on blast. Uh, there's a lot of anti-blackness and it comes up in subtle ways. Oh. Yeah, like for example, one of my one of my black classmates in our first class ever, uh, a professor was invalidating what I said and in my perspective. So she went to she went to the uh, to the professor and talked about how that made her feel and how she felt it was inappropriate. And she ended up getting dot points. Wow. Oh wow. She, I found this out today uh, no, I found this out yesterday that that happened because I'm dealing with another conflict with one of my professors. Oh, nice. um, so, so yeah, it's very anti-black. Um, at one point, all of my classmates wanted to wanted to organize and try and call out this one uh, faculty member in the class who who has known to silence black students. Oh wow! So yeah, it's. It's real. It's real, yeah. Yeah. It's real. So you're trying to get your education while also experiencing right. the same treatment. Right. While also right. trying to keep your poise and not act out. Right. So they don't already add on to the pre-perceived notion that, oh, this is what a black student is capable of. This is why we don't even allow them in our school. Just, ugh. And my experience with my white classmates, you know, there are some of them that understand. Yeah. And they're very, they're very left and they understand, like, all of the things that are going on. And there's some who are just clueless. Yeah. 
Those, I feel like those are the folks that do more damage right. than the folks that at least have like some base, some sort you know, of sense. And, because and, they're ignorant and they don't want to learn. Exactly. They're stuck in their way. I was going to add on to what you were saying about like black therapy, not black therapists, but like that form of uh, therapy being taught. I told I, I don't know if I told you guys, but my aunt has her own uh, psychiatric uh, place up in Chihuahua. Ooh. And she oh, wow. and, yeah, and took her a while. But she got it up in 2014, been running ever since. Um, uh, one thing when I job shouted her back in high school, one thing that she said was in common with every single one of her clients was that she they would go in there, whether they would be black, white, brown, anything, they would always be like, you have a very open mind and you let me, like, she won't even ask a question, she'll just ask, how are you? Before we like really start picking your brain, mm-hmm. and they'll just get into like a whole bunch of different things, and it'll just be off of that one question. And I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that they all basically told her that you don't really pressure me into like opening up what you think is wrong with me versus what yeah. I think is wrong yeah. with me. And yeah. that is why she was so successful, and why she was able to get so many recommendations for her therapy place because. They, she just allows her clients to just open up on their own accord while at the same time still picking your brain, still taking down notes of what she thinks you need to work on for yourself. It's not, like for her, it's not about like, oh, you need to do this so you can get better and live your life. It's all about like, what do you think you need to do in order to help yourself achieve that goal that you want with your mental health? Yeah. And I just thought that was really cool that um, you said that because uh, I keep forgetting I job shadowed her for a good year and um, I learned a lot from her about that particular type of field. And it's rare to have a Black-owned psychiatric ward on top of having all Black staff, like no type of white uh, staff work with her. And it's not even that she's just racist. It's just to have that type of domain, like, hey, like, you know, we're here. You know, there's people out there who are educated in this field and we are colored. Yeah. So, yeah. It was interesting, like, the things that you were saying about, like, her telling you that, you know, not focusing on what I think the problem is, that gets taught in school. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they tell us all the time, when you're meeting with people, you you don't know shit. You don't, you don't know anything. You're, like, you're going, like, you are going to learn from the patient. Yeah. So, yeah. it's wild that, like, that's getting taught in school, but that's not translating over yep. to everything. It's very few. My aunt said that not a lot of therapists do... Like they're they have their own way of doing it, but they don't they whenever she goes to a board meeting for that district, um, they don't like her method. Mm-hmm. They think that it's ludicrous is the word that was used. And they just think that she just needs to change up her whole dynamic of what she has, but she's not gonna listen to them. She's the top. Like, she's, 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 she's top. Yeah. Yeah. It goes back to white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Like in their head, their method is the way to go. Yep. yep. And they don't like that there's change. Right. Yeah. They don't like that. It goes back to that whole uh, presentation that I just did on healing-centered engagement and how Sean Jenright, uh, he, he forms this perception about, or this concept, how academia teaches you what you should know and what you should do, mm-hmm. rather than it should be more that RCT is yeah. what it, yeah, uh, more of who you should be or who you are, right. you know, not who you should be, but who are you, and, right. you know, from that perspective, like, I just think that's important when you're trying to build relationships. Um, you know, we'll get into all of that. But 
Jalen, you had a question that you wanted to pose to the group here. Um, I wanted to just ask, like, what is healing to everybody? Um, and I guess I can start off what healing means to me. What healing means to me, because I'm kind of myself on a personal healing journey. Um, healing to me is a lot of self-reflection, a lot of self-growth, and a lot of necessary change. And when I say necessary, like, I basically, I look at myself, like, in my head, and I create this wall of everything that I need to change about myself versus everything that I don't want to change. And I try to figure out which ones are more positive versus which ones are negative. Like, for example, I'm working on my procrastination. I really need to learn how to, like, do things when I say I'm going to do it. And so far, I've been doing a really good job. Thankfully, I have a puppy who keeps me busy. So I've been doing really good with that. But... Also, there are things that I would like to keep. I'm really trying really hard to keep that fun, loving energy that everybody always says that I have, but sometimes it's really hard when you live in the real world and it's like, oh, shit's not peachy. Right. And so I'm trying to figure out a way to keep that up that way everybody else can feel better, but at the same time, like, how am I about to do that while making myself feel better? Yeah. So. Yeah, nice. Yeah, that's yeah. What, I guess that's, what's heal- that's what healing means to me in a nutshell. Right. I feel Just, like... No, I feel like um, what healing means to me is a lot of what um, Jalen said, a lot of self-reflection and a lot of growth. Um, me being someone who has suffered with depression like all my life and anxiety and body image issues, things like that, um, you know, it, take, it took me a lot of time to figure out how I wanted to self-heal, whether that may pertain to like journaling or me talking to someone or me just going on my own personal adventures by myself. And I think some things that I've worked on in my day-to-day life is kind of writing down how I feel about things. Like I keep journals all the time. Um, and just basically like I say, I seek out therapy because I knew at one point, in, like at the cusp point in my life, that I got to the point where I was like, I'm either going to end it all or I need to find some type of help. You know what I mean? And I know that that doesn't happen for everybody. So I feel like a lot of my self-healing journey was when I discovered therapy and like when I started working with actually a therapist here in Katie. She's awesome. Um, and, you know, I really like took the time to take her teachings in, you know, take her teachings in and take everything that I needed from her, you know what I mean? Yep. And then it just kind of continued on when I felt like I could gra- I could graduate away from having to go to therapy every day to I do what I need to do on my own as my self-healing journey. And a lot of that kind of entails, if I feel depressed, I'll go outside, I'll walk my dog, or I'll go roller skating, I'll do something to keep my mind based off what I'm feeling, you know what I mean? And I know that um, it's hard for some people to kind of gauge that still. Yeah. You know, and I think it's really important to kind of not always push the idea of therapy, but also ideas of what you can do personally for yeah. self-healing. So I think that that's what a lot of... Can you say that one more time, what you just said? The to, last. I think it's important to not always push the idea of therapy, but to push the idea of what you can do personally for yourself to mm-hmm. heal. Yes. Yes. Yep. That's yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think for me... I think it's very important to be self-aware of when you need people around you and when you need your space Mm -hmm. Um, and being able to have outlets in both areas of life. Um, And then 
obviously therapy. I feel like therapy is really important. I feel like everyone needs a therapist because we all have trauma. Um, but being able to find someone that allows you to be you um, and express yourself in a way that you feel comfortable and um, they don't force, kind of like Saint and Jalen said, what's wrong with you on you. Um, and then kind of like what Bree said, being able to journal, being able to take bubble baths, being able to just sit on your couch and watch TV, like being aware of what you need when you need it is important because if you can't, if you don't know what you need when you need it, you're always going to be unstable. Yeah. So. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm, I agree with most of what everyone has said so far. I think they're all really important. That's kind of what I align uh, my belief system around therapy in general is. But I mean, my background when it comes to therapy was the whole stereotypical, uh, you know, black family hospital. Just like if something happens in the family, if you are going through something like you just deal with it and you, and then, you know, you deal with it until you, you pretty much kill yourself or you don't kill yourself or someone else heals you or whatever. Right. You know, it's just, they accept, the, the like thing that you accept is that you're going to be unhappy and that's just life you know that's just the way things are mm -hmm. and so i got kind of pushed into therapist uh therapy after you know i'd been on the streets and uh, i came into a transitional housing and the requirement was that you have to see a therapist so uh for me i would say like what came out of even going to therapy was realizing i had to deal with what was making me sad you know i had to deal with why i was angry i had to deal with why i was like sad all the time i had to deal with the apathy all of these things i had to get through all these like really ugly and painful things to get to the point where i could be like okay now i need to learn how to be happy now i need to learn what it means to feel good what it means to like be grounded to enjoy things to be vulnerable and have those experience with people but like for me it's like I didn't, I like, I don't think like I would have even thought about it until like, you know, granted therapy helped, but until the person who pushed me into it was just like, you need to deal with this. You know what I mean? You need to sit down with this. You need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah. And I feel like to piggyback off of that, like, I feel like it's very important to sit down and work through your mess because all the outside stuff, being by yourself, being with friends, it doesn't fix your trauma yeah. being able to sit down and talk about your trauma helps you cope and fix and heal from your trauma yeah, yeah. so you touched on something being vulnerable mm -hmm. that what do y'all what do y'all think about that is that like that key to when we're saying vulnerability being vulnerable with yourself and others or around others is that okay yeah i think it's a, ne a necessity it's definitely something being vulnerable helps you evolve and it helps you grow into a completely different person once you decide to allow that vulnerability to show just for once depending on the situation because vulnerability is situational you don't want to be vulnerable all the time where you're on a sleeve mm -hmm. because we live in this ugly ass world so obviously that's not the way to do it but when you feel like you need to talk about something and you don't know how to explain it that is when it's perfect to be vulnerable, especially when you're around somebody who has 100% of your trust, love, and commitment that you know that they feel the same thing about you. Like, for me, like, I'm only vulnerable around people that I deem worthy to hear what I feel, what I'm feeling right now, because I'm going to feel the same way. Like, 
I hope I'm worthy to hear what you're going through at the end of the day. I hope that you can show me vulnerability as well because at the end of the day, when you're vulnerable, you, I don't know, it just does something different to you and you feel a lot better and you feel stronger once you let all of that pent up energy built up inside of you out. I also feel like with vulnerability, it comes like you have to practice. Mm -hmm. Yes, you do. Because for me, it's like, it's easy to be vulnerable verbally. Yes. But it's like physically, like if I was to want to cry. Yeah. I'm at the point that, you know, growing up, the notion was like, oh, you don't cry. You're mm -hmm. a man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Suck it up. Yada, yada, yada. It's still like that, right? It is. It is. Yeah. It is. Suck it's it up. Like mm -hmm. So it's like, that being the case, it's like my body has developed a mechanism to stop me from crying. Exactly. Even though in my chest, in my stomach, in my mind, I want to just like collapse and start crying. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. I'll have all of these emotions mm -hmm. and in my mind, I'm like, okay, I want to cry, mm -hmm. but it just doesn't happen. And like the times that it does happen, you're like, oh, this is not the right moment. Like I'm like, I think, I think, it, I think like one time it was like right before COVID hit and then like I was realizing, oh, like, life is going to be different. But, you know, I was, I was at, I was with my roommates and we were having a fire and we were just like laughing and talking and drinking. So it's like, oh, this is the wrong time for me to be crying. Mm -hmm. Right? So like, mm -hmm. for me, I feel like vulnerability, like you have to practice at it with some mm. parts of vulnerability. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's not something that you yeah. can just do, for mm -hmm. sure. It's definitely something that requires a bit of finesse, um, just because not everybody is good at showing their emotions, just because they might have past trauma because of that, or even something far worse. And so, yeah, I agree with that. It's It, it, it requires a flip of the wrist. I don't know. I feel like when it comes to vulnerability, needing someone where... Being vulnerable was always very, very hard for me, and it's still hard for me to this day. Like, I am the type of person, I don't like, I don't even like to get mad half the time. Like, you know, because it could turn into me crying, and then, you know, it'll just be a whole big thing. Where I've always, I've always grown up thinking, me being a girl, you think that you'd be in a place where oh, it's okay to cry, it's okay to be chill, you know what I mean? Because I was raised like one of the boys. Mm. You can't cry, you, oh, if somebody hits you, don't even freaking cry when they do that, you know what I mean? Like, you handle your business and you go on about it. So I think when I grew up into an adult and I started to go to therapy, I, I couldn't handle it a lot of the time because I was so vulnerable in those situations and I was so open. And I would even tell my therapist all the time, I'd be like, I hate this. Like I like I hate this. I hate crying. Like even now, when I'm crying and when I'm sad about something, I'd be so pissed off at myself. I'm so pissed off at myself because in my brain, how I'm, how I was conditioned and how I was raised, crying is a weakness. You know what I'm saying? You can't look weak even in front of yourself. Yeah. And then and that's just what it is because life's gonna hit you with a million and ten things, and you can't be looking weak in front of none of those things or yourself. So I'm just in the mindset still working on it's okay to cry. It's okay to feel sad about things. It's okay to have other emotions besides super peppy or you either going to be quick to action and quick to violence or quick to anger. You know what I mean? So this is why I went to therapy, which is why I chose that route. Um, you know, and I, and I get it. I get it because I've experienced people kind of like me who are just kind of like real hard and they just don't 
they just can't do it, you know? But I think vulnerability is so, so important. But it's important also to get to a space where you're ready to do it within yourself. You know what I mean? Because even when I went to therapy, there was like, it's okay to cry, but it's also okay to not like doing it either. You know what I mean? And we can unpack that as well. Because that's a whole nother form of trauma. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. It's hot as hell up in here. <laughs> Yo, it is. I'm it's sorry, a new one. Got, 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 I'm trying to over here, like, leaving the fuck over here. Like, I'm hot. <laughs> I keep having to close the door because, you know, like, the, the trash bins keep coming by and, and like, you yeah, in the middle tra- of talking. It's Wednesday. Uh, it's you know. As y'all, as the listeners and viewers can see, we are in our conference room, actually. Yeah. So we're not even, like, in, in a, like, <laughs> traditional, like, recording type of studio but that's okay you know this is what we got and we're gonna make do so uh, but we need to we need to make sure that we're not hot too so uh so yeah we gotta have that open um so like on that though what do you think vulnerability i think it's imperative to be vulnerable but i think it's also imperative to be vulnerable around the right people because if you go out and Just you like spill all this stuff to the wrong person and then you find out, oh, well, so-and-so said so-and-so about so-and-so, mm-hmm. that adds more trauma to you. Yeah. There's, there was no healing in that process. Exactly. So being able to know who's in your core circle and who How do you do that, you, How do you know when it's the right person? You just know. Like, for me, I view myself... This is kind of, this is just me. Don't come for me. Don't. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is just me. I view myself as, you know, somebody of high standard. I I view myself, I am a queen. I need to act accordingly. And if you are not on that same wavelength, I will only, I will only expose myself to another fellow queen who I feel, right, exactly, who I, king, queen, same thing, I'm ruler, I'm honored. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, if I feel as if that person is worthy enough and they feel the same thing, it has to be mutual at the end of the day. Because I'm not going to tell you my big, dark secrets and you're not going to tell me anything about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's not how we do it. Yeah. And so I just, I view myself as that. So I, which to other people, it might look as if I'm looking down on you but for me it's not the case it's just i have to hold myself to a higher standard than everybody else because nine times out of ten depending on what your circumstances and it's usually straight heterosexual people that got the nerve to say something i gotta work ten times harder to prove that i am more worthy if not better than what you put to the table right you know what i mean oh yes i mean i think i mean like uh i'm uh, like slightly different than Jalen. i'm not I, you know, I'm for me. I, I I'm not gonna tell you nothing about me. I'm especially in the work that I do now. It's like I'm not supposed to. Even I'm even if I wanted to, I'm not supposed to really put myself that much into a conversation with certain people. You know what I mean? So for me, I have to do series of tests. I'm just like slightly crazy. So I'm just, I'm gonna give you like a few tests. If you can pass those tests, then we can go into the deeper circle of hell. Okay. That okay. is my friendship. So. Okay. <laughs> but I just I I agree. I mean, like people be out here really trying to swindle you mm-hmm. you know what i mean they're really be trying to like get one over you or they're really trying to like paint a picture of you so they can you know confirm their their perception of you and you know all these types of things it's like it's stupid that people are like that you know but it, it is what it is especially being a person of color i've worked in so many white areas or white center places uh like victoria's secret 
that's a terrible place. No. <laughs> <laughs> her name. <laughs> but like, it was just terrible, you know, being a person of color and then having to baby basically like, what's the word, assimilate into the culture that was there. It was just like every single day was a whole ass fiasco of just like, oh God, was that too black? Was I too loud? Did I just like, did I say that too too uh you know black or whatever it was that too aggressive or all these things you know what i mean in having like, to check yourself for no reason exactly yeah. don't you hate having yes. to do that because yeah. of that pre-perceived notion like oh my god am i being too black right now yes that, yeah. is that what you do in class um that's what i do in daily life that's the i have to really yes. check myself yeah. including school not thankfully this is my first job that i've had and i have a very colorful resume this is the very first job that I've had where I can actually be yourself. Be that me. Yes. Because every job that I have had, even when I came into power, I've had to check myself because I, everybody, even even the other people of color, like Latinos, Islanders, they everybody has this pre-perceived notion exactly. of other races. And mm-hmm. it's not nobody's fault because it all stems back to white supremacy yes. and how they really yes. try to come from Great Britain and yes. take over everywhere else when they ain't have no fucking right to do that. Yep. But that's a different can of worms. But anyways, <laughs> it all stems back down to that. And for me, I hate living like that. I should not have to, me being the queen that I am, <laughs> I shouldn't have to check myself for fucking nobody. Unless you are on the same wavelength as me and you got that king mentality, queen mentality, then there should be no reason why you think you can step up to me and try to tell me how I need to act. And yeah. what I love so much about this particular job, because this is my first time diving into this field, this uh, field of work, and I just love how like everybody is very honest to the T. And I love how even when there is a problem, we solve that shit right then and there. Mm-hmm. There is no standing. There is no letting it simmer. Fuck all that. We mm-hmm. need to get that done mm-hmm. now. Because I hate when I get into a workplace where that's predominantly white. Mm-hmm. I will use my job at McDonald's for an example. When I came into power and became a GM, motherfuckers tried to start, you know, treating me different because I was young. I was only 18, going on 19, becoming a GM at such a young age so fast little under a year, you know, obviously that's going to that's gonna cause some bad blood between all the little white, little regular, regular managers. There was Jackie, there was Koya, and there was Dan. Oh, we're calling everybody out. The Holy Trinity. <laughs> did ne'er one of them old bitches like me because I was scared when it came to disciplining all of our regular crew members. Mind you, all of our crew members were just straight up color. We had Islanders, Mexicans, Everybody, mm. you know what I'm saying? And that's they were trying to punish them, put them on suspension, or fire them for the dumbest reasons. For an example, we found out one of our managers was stealing from the tills Ooh. because I did overnight, so I didn't understand how we would always have at least 1500 in the damn uh in the safe every time I count down everybody's tills. So, why is it when I get on shift at 10 o'clock at night? And I count this fucking till down. There's five hundred dollars missing Ooh. every single time. Every single time. So it could only be day shift or uh or morning shift. Who is it? Because it ain't overnight, bitch. It ain't overnight. <laughs> I promise you. Mm-hmm. And when we found out, it even it made them hate me even more because obviously that person and whoever was in cahoots with her did not want me to find out. Mm-hmm. But I found out anyways because see, when you become a general manager, you have the power to log in and check who the fuck was counting the goddamn safe. <laughs> oh, Miss Jackie, Miss Jackie, Miss Jackie, what you doing with this money? <laughs> every time you count the till, it says for morning shift, it was still 1500 to 2000 But for you, it's only, oh, I don't know, 1000 
Oops. Oh. Oh. But for instance, like in class, you know, I'm a very blunt person. I can be very candid. And like, I'm like having conflict in class this quarter, right? Like there's a lot of people have issues in the class and like some of the white people and light-skinned people of color brought up their issues and concerns in class. And then I, you know, I chimed in with my concerns and I didn't really realize, notice this at the time because I was in the moment. But like yesterday, one of my classmates was like, yeah, like, you know, that time that we brought up our concerns, you know, she didn't start crying until you said your issues, right? And then yeah, like I, I got interrupted. And like, for instance, like, I had to deal with this professor's fragility mm -hmm. because I was like in a review, hey, don't interrupt me. I don't like being interrupted, especially by people who are white or white passing. <coughs> For some context, this professor is an indigenous person, but they are white passing. Yes. Hence mm -hmm. why I put white slash white passing because I didn't want to assume this person's yeah. identity. But it devolved into her getting it, like her like announcing in the class yesterday. Like, oh, like my, my identity is not going to be erased. Um, I don't have to wear a headdress in order to prove my identity. And at first, I'm like, oh, what's that? I'm like, who? I'm like, what? What nonsense happened in my class? And then, like, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I did say something in the review about, like, white and white passing people. So I raised my hand and asked, I'm like, is this about what I said? She was like, yeah. I'm like. So you had to announce the whole class to tell them to say you had a problem with me? No, because see, I'm sorry. Look, you could have sent me an email for that. You got me fucked up. So with some context, it was an anonymous review, but still, like, even when I was trying to explain my perspective of, like, well, you're a white passing, meaning that, like, I'm going to be on guard already. Regardless if you're indigenous or yeah. if you're not indigenous. Because right. of the way like, you move through the world is different than exactly. me. Regardless. And the way you've been moving in this class is atrocious. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> even, like, even the white classmates like feel like it's atrocious. But anyways, it's like basically I try to tell her, I'm like, yo, like, you know, I was just trying to explain where I'm coming from that I don't like being interrupted. And she was like, Well you interrupt all the time. Bitch, you just did it. Cut you out. <laughs> To say that I interrupted her all the time. Oh, like, yeah. So this is how crazy. do you keep going? I would, like, like, I would not like, 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 not. I, I speak on code switching the way that I do because it, it, in reality, it makes me so sick how white people think that they can just change a black person because they're in the room right. and we need to switch up a certain way. It just, I can't do it anymore. Cause it makes me sick, and I swear to God, one day I will catch a charge. I will. I. That's, this is why I don't do it, and which is why I really want to ask you the question: How do you? How do you mentally keep going and keep doing this? Because if it, was, if it was me, I could not. So like, this is how. Like, I don't. For me, this is how I usually talk when I'm in class. Yeah. So like, I don't see it as code switching because this is my normal. Yeah, this is just you. My normal uh, conversation, but I don't like having a code switch. I remember like, I was writing an email to some uh, some folks in the agency, and and May remember this. I went to May. I'm like, yo, is this email too black? And May was like, yeah, that's too black. I'm like, nah. <laughs> you asked me that before. I think it's funny when you do that. 
Yeah, I'm like, I was like, I, I, at that time, I'm like, I'm going to talk how I text because. I want you to read that shit in my voice. Yeah, yeah. Like, what y'all gonna do? Like, y'all gonna like not want it, like not use my services right no yeah i mean yes wow. yes mm-hmm. okay are we i'm just i, I want to hear jason's though because he's been Me older too. than me I'm I'm Jason. but i disagree with you i do no i disagree you work with nothing but white people yes, and do. karens and kevin yes you do i want to like i have an opinion but you got you old hand you've been you've been through worse um yeah you do have to uh you know it's Ah, that's a good, how do I unpack that? Um, I do find myself code switching often. Code switching in a sense like, you know, like I, I need to make sure I, my tone, mm-hmm. yeah. my tone. Yes, yes. that's exactly. You know, like I'm still going to bring the emotion to it. The, the, when I, you know, like, like my, they're going to know I am like speaking truth. Yeah. You know, but I will make sure that my tone is I do check my tone and I feel like that is important for me to keep doing that to make sure that I can keep doing what I need to do which is my passion which is elevating the voices of young black and brown people you know mm-hmm. that is my that's my life passion right there mm-hmm. you know and as long as I can keep doing that while also maintaining my own mental health my own stability mental stability um, because yes it, it's it's t- it, you, you get drained I'm not gonna lie, you, you get drained. I leave work some days just completely drained from just like the meetings that I'm in and just hearing people talk and how they wanna like make decisions that are not really anti-racist decisions or, or even DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, inclusivity uh, decisions, you know, when we're talking about, you know, as a, as a larger uh, agency here. and. Uh, but I still, I still love what I'm doing, and that's what keeps me going. So the love, the passion that I have for my work, for doing the work, that's what keeps me. So I would, I, I would ask you in a sense. So what I, I would, I would ask is like to basically to like, as you said, you you said watch your tone, and that is something that I truly, really need to work on because. I'm just not the one. But anyways, um, I guess I, what I'm what I'm asking is is that in order to check somebody without being disrespectful, your best and I'm gonna say I'm, I'm gonna say weapon, but I'm not literally meaning a weapon. Like your choice of weapon, whether it be playing the mind game or using your words. I guess what I'm saying is is that your best choice of weapon when dealing with these type of people would be you know because you're very intelligent. So I would I would assume it's your tongue. You, you you check them with that yes. very very sharp tongue of yours. Yes. <laughs> and I'm a Scorpio. Yes. And if you know anything about astrology and all the signs and all of that, Scorpios are like we know how to cut people yes. with yes. our words. You <laughs> see? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> to, to to piggyback off of J- what Jason was saying, like that's how I think of of code switching because like how I pronounce my words and things like that. Like, I talk like this for my roommates, for my black friends, partners. This is just how I talk. You know what I'm saying? Like, but it it comes to tone, right? Because it's like there's a difference between, and usually how I deal with that is by a a sharp tongue. Mm -hmm. Uh, What I like to do is 
I like to talk in their language yes. in a sarcastic way and yes. be very intellectual yes. to let them know that I'm not dumb. Yeah. I'm very yes. Yeah. That's what I try to do. Yeah. I try to do it, but I, I guess what I'm like trying to clarify is that is that the best course of action when dealing with that certain here's, type of situation? Here, here's my, here's my, to answer that, what I do is, especially when the, the role that I'm in within yeah. the agency, that I, I truly do love working here, you know, like I yeah. truly do. Um, is it any any place that any place that you work at? You're gonna have your issues, right, with with management and all of that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But I love I love being here because I'm still able to be authentic, but I also need to make sure that I tailor my. I was just thinking about this driving home last night. Uh, I need to tailor how I do it. I, I if I'm talking to someone like an exec who is white. I make sure that I meet them on an individual level. I'm not going to just call them out in front of everybody because I already know that's going to lead to something different, yep. right? And I've done that in the past. And, and, and I did it to some black leaders within the agency as well. And it didn't go well for me. It didn't go well for them as well, you know? So, but what helped was me going back and like reaching out to them separately and it's like, can we just have a, can we have a conversation real quick? Right. You know, we just need to unpack what just happened because your action just calls me to react right. in a certain way that most likely is going to get me hemmed up for something, right? Right. So, like, let's go ahead and unpack this because I need to understand where you're coming from so you can understand where I'm coming from, you know? And if it's, that's how I approach, like, a lot of people in my life, you know? Mm -hmm. Whether professionally or personally, like, it, it, you know, if, if I need to make sure that, like, I'm also being sensitive to the other person because I don't know what they're going through. You know, like the whole George Floyd situation mm. and, you know, and unpacking uh, that with some like internal folks within the agency, some black people, we were everywhere with that on how to approach it, how to move forward and this and that. And of course, you know, I'm going to say what I need to say about it because I'm like, no, this is that's we, we drew a line back in the day, you know, especially with Trayvon, right. you know, mm. but clearly people didn't get that. Right. You know? so, mm -hmm. so now we have George Floyd, Breonna Taylor and all of those folks. So the line has been drawn. So we need to go ahead and move forward with some decisions that are effective, that are, that are going to be effective for the black and brown staff within this agency, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. And and you know you, you, we had some words, but but once I understood where they were coming from, I was like, okay, there we go. Let me go ahead and breathe a little bit because I see we all want the same thing, right. but the how is all different, right? Yeah. See, and that's the difference between me and Jason. I would say it. Like, I, like when I say it once, I don't want to have to come back and unpack it with someone because for me it's like, like at, at least with people in power, I'm like, I'm not here to tend your emotions. I'm not your therapist. I'm not being paid one fifty an hour to tend to your emotions. So there's nothing for us to really talk about. Like, <laughs> for me, like the way I say it's like, okay, you, like you figured out a way to get to this to this position to get to this position of power, so you got some knowledge. Yeah, like they ain't dumb. Yeah. I don't need to explain it a second time. But to give an example of my code switching, right? Y'all remember the meeting when we were talking about something and I was trying to get a word through and I'm like, y'all keep, I was, you know, I was yeah. that person. I'm like, y'all keep fucking interrupting me. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> If I was to do that in like a bargaining meeting or like a meeting with white people, be like, y'all keep fucking interrupting me. Like, what the fuck y'all keep doing? I can't even get a word through. Yeah. I, I, I won't be able to do that. Yeah. Like, for me, that's like the tone switching. Yeah. I mean, code switching. Yes. It's more of like how I say something compared to 
it's, it's basically the tone of how I say something, not yeah. like necessarily how I'm pronouncing my words. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think I think for me, for me, because I I just don't care a lot about white comfort and white people and their <laughs> personal feelings. So I'm gonna say it how it comes out. You know what I mean? And granted, I have a lot of growing to do with my own personal biases and also. I've yet in my life to be in a excessively like you know professional or high caliber situation where there may be white people in power because I learned very early on you know my mother is very intellectual very intelligent woman you know and she taught me early you turn it on and you turn it off you know what I mean so it's like I know how to do it but I'm also in my day-to-day life since like I said this whole healing journey of mine I am very quick to anger and especially with white people I have no patience it's like this thing you see a small little space to my nail that thing I don't see no space (laughs) (laughs) but you're speaking to Brie you're speaking to to like exactly how I would see anybody doing it you're Mm -hmm. you're you're being an individual and you're approaching it how you need to approach it Mm -hmm. to make sure that you also maintain your own healing right Mm -hmm. so what's healing to me I love that uh I, it was a I don't know who did it, but it was someone in the the bird and uh, yeah, to heal is to remember. Like for me, it's if I if I know I didn't like at least put the other person's feelings not not whether they're white or black whomever. If I did if I if I felt like I did them dirty by my words or my actions, uh, then yeah, I'm I'm going to. Reapproach it just but, to make sure, like I also maintain my own mm-hmm. sanity, you know. But then that in person, that's where my personal biases come in. Because if I hurt a white person's feelings, I'm not gonna give a fuck. It's, it's not that's about. It's, it's, I don't mean it yeah, like that. Do you have anything I, to say? Yeah, my, yeah, my bad. Y'all, we can go. We can keep going on for this for like hours. I'm sure. I'm I had sure. another um, question. It was it was mainly for women. Go ahead. Let What's your question? Yeah, I'm gonna say it was strictly for y'all. What's your question? How? Do you guys go about just being yourselves in the real world? How do you deal with certain confrontations to where you might have to code switch or you have to really like sit there and like nut, nut up or buck up basically? Like basically what I'm asking is, is that in this society, in this world right now, how is it being a young black woman while also, and then for you two, being queer as well, like, what are the main struggles that you guys feel in this society that women go through on a daily? That's a good-ass question, actually. Um, I don't know. I feel like... Because I feel like the men have been doing a lot of talking. Oh, y'all? I, <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I feel feel like, I'm a queen myself, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead. I feel like I'm, I'm very authentic. I feel like when I come into a space after a week, you know what you're going to get mm-hmm. with me. And so... Um, I don't think I I don't think I switch up. I think that over the years yes. I've grown to have a lot of patience. Yes. Um, that's yes, that's what it is. And and I I'll allow people to continue to do something the same thing for a good amount of time, and if they don't stop, then I'm gonna let them know. Look, cut it. Here's the deal. Yeah. And after we have that conversation, and they keep going. Then that's when it's like, all right, I don't know who the fuck you think you're fucking with. Yep. Because we've had the conversation yes. before. Yes. 
You know what I mean? So I don't feel like I switch up. I feel like you give chances. I give chances yes. and I'm very patient and I have a very big heart and and I do consider okay, maybe they got some shit going on in their life yeah. that I don't know about and maybe yes. they're just having a bad day. Yes. But if it continues, then it's like okay, now it's time to have a conversation and you're going to know my expectations from here on out. Right. And I think that when it comes to hurting people's feelings, I really don't care because you get me and that's all you get. And after that conversation, it's like, I feel like they know, okay, she's a strong, independent woman. She knows what she wants and she knows what she's going to expect from other people and she's not going to take shit. And so for me, it's not switching up. It's me growing to know that I have to have patience with people because some people just don't get it. But I'm still going to check yes. you if I have to. What you just said is exactly what I'm trying to communicate. Yeah. Exactly that. Like, it's not switching up. It's, it's when I say tone, when we say tone and stuff like that, it's more about having your own patience with, yeah. with, with someone else, you know? Yeah. That's, I'm that's really that. what it is. You know? Yeah. No patience. Same. I have beautiful, no patience with these white folks at all. Beautiful. And it comes with yeah. Even with some black folks too, right? right. I mean, yeah, now. Yeah, like, but, yeah, but my thing is, but I'm more prone to, if a black person was to piss me off or something, I'm more prone to be less likely to be like, oh, no, I'm about to fuck you up. I'm more likely to be like, you know what, before I even get to that point, I want to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. I want to be like, look, look, my brother, look, my sister, can we, can before it even go to, go to throwing blows, can we have this conversation? Because I feel, because they already perceive us. Like we fit in a fight. And I want to have this conversation. Now, if it's a white person and you're just over here exuding all your little white privilege and your little white hierarchy power over me, how dare you? And I'm going to fuck you up, period. So I don't, I, I, I can't, I'm working on, I'm working on within me how to be within white spaces and to not feel like. If one of y'all crosses me wrong, I'm going to jail. Right. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And that, and and that and it's gonna take some time because I grew up in a predominantly black lifestyle in a black area. You know what I mean? So we was always on defense. Like, oh, ooh, ooh, white person in the neighborhood, what, what they want? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> They're in the wrong area. You know what I mean? Like, and I know where you're from. So yeah, I know. you know what I'm saying? But but I mean, think, that was just life. I think something that will help you with that too is just you know who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. The minute that they cross you, you need to tell them, well, you don't need to, but this is what I would do if I was in your position. I'm not the one. Let them know I'm not the one, and then check it at that, because once you say that, they're going to be shook, period. Period. <laughs> no, for me, it's when you try it the first time, and I shut that shit down. You thought you was going to come up in here, and you thought you was going to step all over a bitch. No, 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 no. You are in the presence of a queen. Right. Let them know. Let them know. Shut it down. Yep. I can be very cordial. I can be your best friend while we're in this space. But the moment you think it is okay to think you're going to fuck me over, Queen Spice? Oh, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Off with your head. So, we... Did you want to ask your question? I'll pass. I like like y'all. Y'all just like raw, raw, black. I know for me, like, I noticed that, like, in New Orleans is different from Seattle. Mm-hmm. Like, in Seattle, I, I'm, I'm quick to be like, check somebody. Yes, yes, yes. It's like, in New Orleans, it depends. I, it depends on what neighborhood I'm in. You exactly. That's how shootings happen. Yeah. 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 As an actual Washingtonian, I've never actually dealt with that. I am from. Tacoma, where it is very diverse, there is no separation out there. It is straight up 
mixed everywhere. Okay, then maybe you gonna have. Maybe I should say something then, because I I grew up in Seattle. I didn't have that type of protection. Yeah, see, I didn't. I'm new to this little Seattle lifestyle, and I keep having to remind motherfuckers I am not the one because, like, and it's like I'm very lenient with white people, and it's because I don't like them, but. I have dealt with a lot of people from Tacoma who were white who were very understanding because they went through that struggle with mm -hmm. us. They were there. They witnessed it. They seen it, breathed it. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. there is a difference when you grew up in that same exact neighborhood and you have that understanding, like, oh, my God, like, they just, they just fucking profiled him and he did nothing but walk in the store and buy his groceries, but they're not even going to look at me because I'm white. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You know how good it felt to really teach somebody this is what the world views us as, mm -hmm. especially when you're an intelligent, smart, young black African-American or any person of color in general. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I've had to teach so many of my white friends from fucking Tacoma, like, this is what I go through on a daily basis. I'm not doing this to make you feel bad. I'm not doing this to make you seem shitty. I just don't want you because I actually like you. I don't want you to look stupid when you think you know something about this particular situation and you know nothing. Mm -hmm. So here's a little tutorial of what's to come yeah. because not every black person is gonna be as lenient and nice as me. Yeah. Because you got people like Miss Hollowell who would just <laughs> check that ass immediately and just shut it down. You know what I mean? Versus me, I will reason with you if I like you. Right. Keyword, if I like if you. the opportunity is there to reason. If you, if you show me that mental fortitude that you yeah. have that understanding of what black people go through on a daily basis and you've seen it, witnessed it, lived in it, then yes, I will feel as if you're worthy enough to give a tutorial of this is what we go through on a daily basis. This is what I want you to see. So that way, when you ever, if you decide to get into a relationship with one of us, you have that understanding and you have that mental fortitude of this is what you're about to be prepared for yeah. when you go out into the real world. Yeah. I think you for me. The, yeah, I was like, it's man, it's what you gonna say, man? No, because you, no, I want to talk about Seattle because this is just Tacoma. Well, well, and I will also say I gotta. We're on time, so I want to like also. That's why I'll take a minute. It's out. fine. It's uh, fine. See what I'm saying? We we get into this. Right. Like, they, you know, I would say like Say and, and Ebony, uh, you know, y'all asked a question like, well, you know, how long does this go and this and that? We just flow, right? Mm -hmm. We just been flowing I in our conversations. I'm, I'm like, meaning to ask this one more question. Ask it, ask it. Because, ahead, because, because how, have y'all ever experienced a situation with a white person where y'all may have done something like you know they may have done something like wrong or made a mistake or whatever and y'all immediately say to them like oh well hey yeah i see that this is a problem or whatever i'll fix it and then they look to say something disrespectful out their mouth after and it's like how do y'all how do y'all overcome that like how do y'all overcome those feelings because i had it happen to me the other night had it happen the other night Stinka, my my lovely child for a baby who's crazy um she <laughs> she she um had to use had to really use the bathroom really bad and she had poo pooed in the elevator and i was like crap i don't have any bags and i had to run up to my floor with the poop in the elevator with her and everything and this white dude was getting on off on the seventh floor and he was like whoa i was like yeah my bad i'm sorry um i don't have any bags i'm cleaning it up not a big deal and he's like well you should have bag with you, bad bags with you me and my mind i'm like nigga shut the fuck up <laughs> So I went to a protest 
a couple of weeks ago with my uh, with my housemate. And basically, long story short, I ended up losing my keys, found them. We ended up getting left by the other protesters. Then we finally catch up with them, and then there's like this protocol, like when when the police come, we all, we all get into to the cars and just like head out, right? Mm -hmm. So we get into the, to one of the cars, and we're just at the meetup meet point. My roommate left, because we were gonna be riding with specific with a specific car, they left their stuff in that specific car. So we're in the other car, like being like, hey, we need to get in contact with this person, yada, yada, yada. Um, basically at the end, like the 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 lady is like the white lady's like oh maybe y'all should have like left y'all shit in some random car i was pissed off but but also i'm like okay this is my first time this is like my second time being at this protest i don't know nobody except my housemate this is a white woman i'm a black dude i'm gonna just like get out this car and slam the door because like yeah. I, I don't have time for this. I don't have time yeah. for this. Yeah. Like, if other, like, since I am new in this environment, like, people are going to take that person's side and not my side, even though it's, it's a Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So it was just really frustrating that this person at the time that we were trying to find our shit, and they had no context of why the bags were in the car or, like, how the audacity to say some shit like that. It's like, shut the fuck up. Like, yeah. Like, that's what I'm saying. That, yeah, and that is right. why, and that is why it is hard for me to move within this white world. Because even when I am the calmest of the calm, because I am the quickest to anger, I am the calmest of the calm, and they still try me. I give, I give nothing but respect. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because I expect that back, and when I'm immediately not given that, it's so hard for me to double back. I you think, know what I'm uh, saying? Like, it's hard for me to double back into that nice person that I right, just yeah. was to you. Yeah. I think for me, because yeah. I, back when I was in school, in college, I had predominantly white professors, and they would always try to shut my opinion down. And so what I would do personally is if I felt like as if I am not being treated equally or fair, I am not going to do you dirty. I'm not going to call you out in front of the class because you don't want to get into it with me, especially when I have an audience because you will get embarrassed and I'm not even trying to do that. I have a conversation and I, you know, I try it the peaceful way one time. You only get one. I'm like, hey, you know, her name was Natalie. I said, hey, you know, Miss Natalie, I didn't like how you tried to shut down my opinion about oppression. We were talking about oppression and she basically tried to say that black people were never oppressed Ooh, and that it was our fault to begin with. Basically, basically in a fucking nutshell, she didn't say those words word for word, but that is what I received when I heard, you know, her little lecture about that entire debacle. And so I told her straight up, you know, me and a few other classmates, we did not like how you elaborated on that. I feel like your idea of oppression is a little clouded because you might have some biases that aren't really relevant to what we're talking about. And, you know, she tried to say, oh, well, you know, I'll, I'll work on that. You know, I'm still new, blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool, next day, next day try to call me out in front of the class and oh. I guess you know one of the students has a problem with me in my lectures about how I think uh African Americans aren't really oppressed tell me you said yep that's so, me I think you, oh, bullshit. you, you got me fucked me. up <laughs> I, I, said, I said it I said it I said, I said listen I tried to sit here I tried to be nice this is my first time coming into a college I'm really trying to get out of that high school mentality but what you're not going to do is try to sit here and attempt to embarrass me when your facts about oppression are wrong I said, you are white, 
you were never oppressed in the beginning. You're probably from Great fucking Britain and you're probably related to the people who did all this fucking damage to our society. So before you try to sit here and say that my opinion on how I think you're teaching the class about oppression is wrong, you should really check yourself and your fucking facts. Yeah. And then she's like, well, well, I'm the professor. And I was like, okay, you can be the professor. And but at the end of the day, I feel like, I feel like Pierce her. Community College could have hired somebody of higher caliber than you. Now. I give them one chance. And then like Saint said, I speak their language and I shut that shit down. Because I'm very, very tired of living in a society where I guess every black person is dumb. Bitch, I am not dumb by any type of fucking means, bitch. I graduated with a 3.9 cumulative Half of you little white motherfuckers could have barely got that, okay? I got accepted into nine motherfucking 1A prestigious schools, bitch. What about you? So, fuck is you talking about? You're not going to sit here and make me look dumb. And that's what I'm still working on is, like, giving them more than one chance. Because at the end of the day, they're trying to push our buttons to make us react in that stereotypical way. And I've been doing a really good job of not doing that. But it's like, (laughs) people like Natalie and Karen... (laughs) They need that bitch to come out and yeah. get checked because and yeah. that's no. you know and that's and, and, and I want to go around the room because the old closing um, we can do a closing but I just want to touch on that real quick I I I would even for me how I would you know I it's not I don't even look at it as I'm giving them an opportunity because I'm just going to keep being me right I'm just yes. like what you were just saying like we're going to continue being authentic right mm-hmm. so like if there are moments where you know, there's there are tons of moments where I just my silence is me letting you know I'm not fucking with you right now. Right, I'm there, and I'm gonna keep it moving. You yeah. know, because clearly you don't get it, and I don't have the capacity to sit there and tailor to what you were trying to get. You know, like yeah. go figure it out. Yeah, you know? I'm not yeah. even gonna give them that. Yeah. I don't. I, I I really had to come to a, and this is just recent, like. You know, when you're in social media and you're trying to go back and forth with people. And I'm like, why am I doing that? Right. Why am I giving you energy? Right. Like, like, bitch, you are not worth the dirt beneath my fingers. Like, That's why I love no. that. To heal is to remember. remember. Yes. Because I remember those stupid ass comments that people make. Mm-hmm. And it, it checks me mm-hmm. to remember that. To I'm keep it moving. Yeah. yeah. To keep it moving. Closing. To heal is what? I know, right? I put you in the spot. <laughs> uh, for me to heal, I don't, I, that's a that's a big question. That is but a big like, one. I would have to say, for me to heal is to like to look in inwards. Yes. I would say to heal is to evolve. For me, because evolution is key to becoming a bigger, better, stronger queen. And as the queen, I feel as if. If the moment I leave, chaos will happen. And so, yeah, I must evolve so I can yeah. keep the order. I feel like to heal is to remember where you came from and to always remember to stay gracious in the eyes of adversity. I'd say to heal is to self-care. I would say to to heal to choose to be happy. Mm. That's good. You say that again? To heal is to choose to be happy. To choose to be happy. It's oversimplified, but it works. 
it, it's 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 to the point, mm-hmm. you know. And we're gonna close it out with Maya's words there. So. Yes. Uh, y'all the only word I have to say this whole time. I'm gonna say that y'all here. Yeah, shade to both of y'all, all y'all. <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> no, no, no. Why are we getting shade? <laughs> hey, we what did we do? No, 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 no. All love, all love to folks here. Well, that's it, y'all. Thank y'all for another Black Table Talk at UDYC. Um, for the listeners and viewers, keep looking out for us. Uh, as we continue evolving, uh, we're going to perfect our skills with this uh, managing the podcast as well as the video. So yep. uh, we're, we're going to get it. So and we, I appreciate everyone's perspectives, your vulnerability, because that goes a long way to healing. So um, so are we going to close it out with Beyonce's Black Parade? Or do we all, do all want another one? I want another one. Alright, well send me some ideas and like we'll close it up. I'm going back to the south. I'm going back, 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 back. Bye. 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 Bye.